Hello, listeners. It's Susan. So I wanted to let those of you who are colleagues or who are out there working to build a business know that I recently launched a new podcast. It's called the Make Money Mediating Podcast. And although it says make money mediating, it's really intended to help you build the successful business of your dreams, whatever it is that you are in business to do. In this new podcast, I share not only my own personal tips from growing and building several new businesses over the years, but also I bring on some of the top experts in all related fields who are going to share their wisdom to help you build that dream business and to achieve success however you define it. Be sure to tune in and listen and let me know what you think. You can find the podcast on all your favorite podcast outlets, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Stitcher, and more. Or you can just go to the website at makemoneymediating.podbean.com. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. What I'm hoping to do in today's episode is to empower parents with some tips, things that they can do to set themselves up for success when they're going through divorce and they have a child with disabilities or special needs, things that they themselves can proactively do and to help empower the teams that they work with to help them meet their needs. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello, and welcome back to part two of my special episode with attorney and mediator, Josh Kirschenbaum. Thank you for joining me again, Josh. Oh, my pleasure, Susan. Thanks for having me back. And I'm excited. I'm glad we're, we're going to continue this conversation. For those of you who did not listen to part one on Monday, I strongly recommend that you do that because Josh and I, in part one, had a discussion of the issues that families face, parents face when they are going through divorce and they have children who have disabilities or special needs. And there's a great deal of really important and helpful information in part one. So again, if you did not listen, please go back and listen to that. But in today's part two episode, Josh and I are now going to dive into, you know, sort of what are the solutions? What are the things that parents who have children with special needs or disabilities who are facing divorce or separation should know? And some of Josh's top tips as, you know, a real expert in this field, someone who has been practicing in both the mediation and the special education worlds um, for, for decades now. Um, and he's been sharing his, his knowledge and wisdom with us. So, you know, Josh, just a quick recap, you know, what are, what are the main issues that are, that families face when they have a child with disabilities and they're going through a divorce? So I will definitely put a plug in to listen to episode one if you have not yet. Um, we cover a lot of this, but let me see if I can summarize. Um, so I think what's really important to know is that when you have 
a child with special needs or disabilities, there's nothing wrong with your child and there's nothing wrong with you and your family. What's wrong is that the society into which your child was born was not set up to meet your child's needs. And so you're constantly bumping into and getting into uh, challenges with the system, such as the legal system and the medical system and the educational system, which just wasn't set up for people with your child's needs and with your family's needs. And that happens in the divorce process as well. The divorce process is largely by default a legal process. And that legal process was is poorly designed for everybody, but it's especially poorly designed for families that are in unusual situations or non-typical situations. And parents who have kids with disabilities, while there are many, many, many of them, millions, it's not the situation that these laws were made for. So you have the extra challenge of having to navigate two very challenging systems at the same time. One, the legal system, uh, the divorce process, I should say. And the second is the parenting system, the parenting of a child with special needs and all of the challenges that come with that. And you have to do it at the same time, at a time in your life, when, which is probably the most difficult and emotional and challenging maybe that you've ever experienced. Although Susan, I will tell you, I have talked with families who have children with special needs who have said divorce was not the hardest thing they ever went through. And that is worth pointing out. But it's real hard when you pile these two things on top of each other at the same time, you have challenges and you need help from people who understand how to navigate those systems at the same time. And the challenge is, at the moment, there's not a ton of people out there who have a whole lot of experience helping people navigate both of those labyrinths at the same time. So that's, you know, that's getting better. It is. But, uh, and that's because of thanks to people like you, Susan, who bring attention to this issue. Um, but what I'm hoping to do in today's episode is to give empower parents with some tips, things that they can do to set themselves up for success when they're going through divorce and they have a child with disabilities or special needs, um, things that they themselves can proactively do and to help empower the teams that they work with to help them meet their needs. That's a key uh, point that I'm really glad that we are emphasizing. And one of the reasons why we structured these two episodes the way they did is, you know, we, we sort of created, I hope, some awareness in episode one of the challenges that may be out there. But this episode two is dedicated to empowerment. Two tips, you know, Josh is an expert in this area. He has been helping families navigate these, these waves of disruption for, for many, many years. And he's going to share, you know, actual things that parents can do to make the process work better, to make the systems work better, at least to navigate these systems in a better way and with more education and information um, about what you need, what you can do and what you need to do to make it better. So let's just dive in. What, what would your first tip be, Josh, to the, to these parents? Well, I'll give, I'm going to give one overarching tip that all of these tips that I'm going to give you really flow from the same point. And if you are going to remember one thing from this two-part episode, two-part uh, episode, it would be this. What you need most is control. All of the things that make this process difficult 
for everybody, but especially for you, if you're in this situation, is there are too many things that you will feel that you do not have control over. And the lack of control will result in a great deal of stress, a great deal of expense, a great deal of time and results that don't meet the needs of your family. So what you're always going to be trying to do, no matter which of these tips we're talking about, you're always going to try to maximize the degree to which you have control. You and your co-parent have control. So the first tip that speaks to this is choose the right divorce process. And by that, I mean, choose a divorce process that keeps you and your co-parent in the driver's seat as much as possible. And there's really two biggies that jump out, right? There's yeah. mediation, yeah. right? We talk about this all the time, right? On this, on this amazing podcast, mediation and the collaborative divorce process are two ways, they're two paths, two ways of getting divorced that keep the co-parents in the driver's seat as the decision makers. You do not want to be in a system where you are turning lots of decisions over to a stranger, for example, a judge or a master, to decide for you. Why? Because your system, your family, right, is really complicated and is really unfamiliar to that person. You do not want to turn, give the keys over to the most valuable car that you have, your family, to a total stranger who does not understand and will not have the time or the, or the background to understand what you're going through and what you need. You want to keep control of that car. So I want you to close your eyes and imagine a car that has two driver's seats, has two steering wheels up front. I have a great visual that I use for this when I do presentations on this topic. It's a car with two, so it's like a, two steering a wheels. Driver's ed car. Yeah, driver's ed yeah. car. I want you to imagine that car as your divorce process with you and your co-parent in the two driver's seats and a team of people in the back seat who are there to help you drive that car. What you don't want is to be in an adversarial litigation process, if you can avoid it, where all of the driving is going to be done by other people who just don't understand what you need. So number one is get off on the right foot and choose the right divorce process. Now, I will tell you, many people listening here might already have started down an adversarial path. Maybe you're already in court. Maybe you're already in an adversarial process where there's lawyers and there's fighting back and forth and all kinds of, of acrimony. It is not too late. It is still possible to resolve at least some issues through a peaceful dispute resolution method such as mediation, even if you've already begun the litigation process. It's never too late um, to, to retake control when uh, both you and your co-parent want to be the ones making the decisions. In so, fact, we have an entire episode called It's Never Too Late to Mediate with our friend and colleague, Claire Samuels in the, in the oh, podcast. Great. So I will link to that episode for everyone um, in the show notes. And I do want to say, even if you're in litigation, if you, you can bifurcate issues. So if you want to at least agree that you're going to take the issues around your child and mediate those issues so that you can support your child and your family in the best way possible, you could Find a mediator like Josh, who's skilled and knowledgeable in the particular issues facing your family and mediate even just those issues. 
if yes. you if if the rest of your matter needs to stay in litigation. So it's not just taking the entire divorce. Sometimes you can just take particular issues. And and as Josh is saying here, I think it's really important for families to understand, for parents to understand, if you can even just carve out the issues around your child and take those to a peaceful divorce process where you maintain control, you are going to have the best ability to craft something that's going to work for your family and for your child. And if, and if there are people listening who haven't listened to uh, lots of your episodes, Susan, they might not realize, they might not even know that mediation is a thing, or they might have a misconception about what mediation is. A lot of people, I think, think that mediators are decision makers, kind of like judges, and they're not. A mediator is more of a facilitator to help you and your co-parent have a conversation to come up with solutions that are going to meet your needs. You're the ones making the decisions. The, the, the mediator is a facilitator, helping you have that conversation. So that's what I do when I mediate. I don't tell you what to do. I don't say this is what you have to do. I help you generate options and ideas that are going to meet your needs. And when you think about it, that's what you need. You need freedom and liberation from the legal system so that you can make creative, constructive decisions of your own. Let me say that again. You need to liberate yourself from the legal system. Why? That's the system that was not designed to meet your needs. That's the system that essentially is making your child disabled. It's only a disability if the systems don't meet your needs. Do you see? Mm -hmm. So you want to get away from that. You want to move away from the legal system as much as possible and create your own solutions. Be the authors of your own resolutions as much as possible. And mediation and the collaborative process both give you a means to do that and to get divorced in a way that suits your needs. Right. And they allow you very much to create a process that is focused on your child as well, right? We call it a child-centered divorce. Whereas litigation, I know it, it's on, on the custodial side, it is based upon best interests of children, but we all know that there's still an adversarial bent to that where, you know, one person's viewpoint is right and the other's is wrong, as opposed to, as you were just describing, a child-centered process where two parents are crafting solutions that will put the best interests of their child first and, and will put their child first, really that child-centered divorce. And I know that's another one of your tips. Yes. So absolutely. And, and we really need to, to pause and really drill down into this one. You hit a really important point, Susan. A child-centered divorce is one where all of the conversations and all of the decisions are being made with the child's needs front and center. When you are in an adversarial system, such as litigation, where a judge or a master is the one that is ultimately making the decision about what's in the best interest of the child, the parents are not having a child-centered conversation. They are focused on convincing a third party to agree with them. That is not focusing on the child. That is focusing on the decision maker. The parents need to be having a conversation where they're both focused on the children, not focused on convincing someone else to agree with them. It may seem like a subtle difference, but it is a huge difference in terms of what the experience will be like, in terms of the ultimate results. Because again, 
Who is in the best position to say what your child needs? Well, clearly, it's the co-parents are in the best position to say that. The time and the energy that you spend trying to convince a third party of something should be spent having that conversation with the co-parent about it. It is the job of the facilitator and the team, if you're in the collaborative process of your team, if you're in mediation of your mediator, to facilitate that conversation. A child-centered divorce is what it is crucial for these types of cases. It is, it is the biggest gift that you can give yourself and your child so that you have a child-centered divorce and your child does not have a divorce-centered childhood. Yeah. Oh, That's one difference. of my favorite quotes. <laughs> That's one of my difference. favorite Say it again. You need to have a child-centered divorce so that your child does not have a divorce-centered childhood. Because if you stay in an adversarial system that is focused on fighting with one another, your child is going to have a childhood marked by this divorce. It does not have to be that way. And when you have a child that already has needs that are beyond what the, the world was set up for, the last thing they need is for your divorce to be incompatible with their needs. And you have a choice in that. Yes, there are some people listening to this who are in situations where they don't have much of a choice. Their, their spouse is not going to allow uh, for a, a mediation or a collaborative process. There might be issues of violence. There might be issues of threats, things that make those kinds of conversations impossible. But what I will say is that while it is absolutely true that there are some situations that you simply can't mediate or you can't, you're going to be stuck in, a, in an adversarial system, don't assume that you're in that situation. The mediation is, a, is appropriate even in cases where there's conflict. In fact, all, all divorces have conflict. Right. And I think sometimes people assume that their conflict is too great. There's too much conflict for, for mediation to be appropriate. Don't rule it out so fast. You'd be surprised. A skilled mediator can handle pretty significant levels of conflict, um, maybe beyond what you think is possible. So don't rule it out so fast. Give yourself a chance, a benefit of the doubt, an opportunity to see if maybe one of these processes could work for you. Yeah, I think that's a very important part for everybody, anybody who's faced, whether you have children with special needs or disabilities or not, you know, many people discount a collaborative approach or a mediative approach because it feels like there's so much negativity and there's so much, um, you know, anger or hurt. The, both these processes are, are available to people even when there is conflict, even when there's a high level of, of disagreement, it still can work. And it absolutely is best suited, as you're saying, to helping co-parents craft a plan that's going to work best for their child or children who have disabilities. Hey, listeners, did you know that you can now listen to Divorce and Beyond on your favorite audiobook platform, Audible? If you're like me and you love your audiobooks along with your podcasts, this is a great time to check out Audible memberships. They have two levels, Audible Plus and Audible Premium Plus. You right now can get a free trial of Audible Plus. And if you decide to subscribe to Audible Premium Plus, you will also get up to two free audiobooks. 
So go to the links in the show notes to get these special offers, and I'll see you over on Audible. Stay tuned for more from leading family law and special education attorney, Josh Kirschenbaum, as he shares some of the top issues faced by families in divorce when kids have special needs. You need to have a child-centered divorce so that your child does not have a divorce-centered childhood. Because if you stay in an adversarial system that is focused on fighting with one another, your child is going to have a childhood marked by this divorce. And when you have a child that already has needs that are beyond what the the world was set up for, the last thing they need is for your divorce to be incompatible with their needs. If you are enjoying this episode, be sure to check out last week's show where top CDFA Hollis Hardiman shares what you need to know about your money at the start of your divorce. You need to make enough to feel good about yourself to be able to pay for your life. And does that include downsizing to a smaller house? It may. You may be able to live in the house while you have the alimony and then you may need to to sell it. But you have to be prepared for for all of those all of those in any situation because life is not predictable and the only thing you can control is yourself and, and what you do. And now we return to today's show. So Josh, you also mentioned um, a team. And I know we know in a collaborative process, there's a a team sort of in place for every single divorce. Uh, Mediation, I've done other episodes about about the fact that mediation is really well-suited to integrative teams. But when you're dealing with children with special needs or disabilities, the team is critical and it might include people that you wouldn't have in a case where you didn't have children with disabilities or special needs. So can you talk about the, the importance of building the right team in yes. these cases? Well, first of all, having a team. So uh, knowing or thinking about your divorce as a team process, knowing that it's going to take input and help and guidance from lots of different types of people. Um, so what is that is not something that immediately leaps to mind for a lot of folks when they're getting divorced. They think, well, I might need a lawyer, maybe we'll need a mediator, but they don't think um, that they might need other folks as well. So there's two pieces to this. One is recognizing that when possible, it's good to bring people onto the team, whether that's your lawyer or a mediator or other collaborative professionals who do have experience working with families who have kids with disabilities. Why? Because you want people on the team who know what questions to ask, who know what you don't know, who have been down this road before and are aware of the minefield that you're in. <laughs> they mm-hmm. know what hurdles are up ahead. They have experience working with families over the arc of the life of their child. These are the folks that are going to ask the right questions at the right time. So make it part of your interview process when you're hiring a lawyer, when you're hiring a mediator, or when you're considering bringing in uh, a financial neutral to a collaborative team or a, or a coach to a fina- to a collaborative team ask for people who have specific experience working with families like yours it's very very important the other thing is you want to think about whether there are specific types of special professionals that you might want to bring in that might not appear in in your everyday divorce for example there are professionals who can help you develop a care plan for your child a lifelong care plan, who can project out into the future estimates of what it's going to cost to care for your child when your child becomes an adult, all of these things that can be very helpful for informing conversations about things like support 
or financial planning for your son or daughter, or things that um, are going to come up in the divorce process, but where you're going to need special input. Um, you also want to make sure that you have people on your team who understand the special estate planning needs that you might have, such as creating a special needs trust, special college savings accounts that are available for people who have disabilities, things that really only a specially trained financial professional would know. Be aware that there are certified divorce financial advisors. There are um, certified special needs planners out there. So to the extent that you can bring people with these special credentials onto your team, that will support you well through this process. I, I think that's critical. And one of the things that can be super helpful, I think, for people to understand is when they say hire a mediator like you, somebody who has this you know, vast reservoir of experience and knowledge in this area, the way that that professionals can support you is not just in, as we've talked about, knowing the right questions to ask, helping to brainstorm solutions and creative um, approaches to managing things, but it's also that they know that there are these other professionals out there and they can help you find those other professionals, build your team. That's a really critical component I think people need to understand. Yeah, that's a very good point, Susan. Um, this is just good for you to know. People who work with families who have kids with disabilities, it's a tight network of people. Everybody talks to one another. Like we all know who the good therapists are and we know who the good doctors are. And you, if you've been doing this work long enough, you start to meet other people with these expertise. You have a network. So when you have one person on your team, you often have their network that comes along with it. And that is very, very powerful. I've met barbers and dentists who specialize in working with kids with special needs. Like I know all kinds of interesting people with all these subspecialties and you never know when you're going to need something like that. You don't. And, and it's just, you know, I can't describe to people just how powerful it is to find out that there's someone out there who understands whatever that little particular nuanced problem that you're facing or issue that you're facing, someone who has expertise in that. And there is, you know, it's, it's as you said, there's a slowly growing population of professionals who are educated in this area, but it is growing. And as you said, it's it's spreading wider and wider. Um, in fact, that's one of the reasons why we're doing the training at Moston Guthrie that you've created for us to train more professionals. And I think it's it's important for people to know it's not just lawyers. It's not just mediators. You've mentioned financial professionals, but there are coaches out there. You know, everybody knows about divorce coaching, but there are divorce coaches who have special expertise in understanding and supporting families or parents who have children with disabilities going through divorce. So it is an ever expanding pool. You know, there's one other area though that I was thinking of where, you know, I think parents could use a little of your insight because we already know as divorce professionals just how onerous it can feel to pull together like all the financial information from the past however many years and to pull together but when you have a child with disabilities there's a great deal more information that's going to be needed um, and necessary to support your clients in fact i've had cases in my career where parents just didn't know to pull together the extraordinary expenses of their child's when they were facing medical issues um, or the educational expenses. And so what would your advice to parents with children with special needs or disabilities regarding 
just pulling all of that together for their well, professionals. That's I'm so glad you raised this. This could easily have been my number one tip, but it's fine that it's number five. It's It made the top five. <laughs> this is an incredibly useful thing that you can do that will save you a lot of money, a lot of time, and it will empower your team to help you as much as possible, which is organize your information, organize your documents. If I know you, listener, you either have a meticulous binder with tabs um, that has everything organized in it, or you're like most people and you have a pile or piles or perhaps a bag with all of the IEPs and medical records and all of it. Maybe it's even just in a room or a drawer stuffed in somewhere. It is incredibly important when you're going through the divorce process or not, but certainly if you're going through divorce, to dive into those records about your child and organize them because all of the professionals that are working with you are going to need access to this information. And the last thing you want to do is pay somebody who charges by the hour to organize that big bag or big pile of documents. So if you are overwhelmed by the idea of organizing those records, the educational records, the medical records, the financial documents, just think of it as paying yourself your lawyer's hourly rate to do that. And that will motivate you to do it because that's what's going to happen if you don't organize it is you're going to have to turn it over to them to do it. And you do not want to do that. It, the other thing is that this is often how it's, it's in going through those records and in calling them and organizing them. That is often how you re realize or recognize issues that you might have forgotten before. Um, it's also going to be really important because there may be points in the conversation in your divorce where you need to bring in another person to help give you advice or um, advise you and your co-parent about, about something that you're not agreeing on. Well, you want to be able to easily identify who that person is and reach them. If you go through and organize who all the doctors are, who all the therapists are, who's been working with your child, who's on the school-based team, keep it all in one place so that at any time, if you need that information, you can easily get it. And anything that saves the team time and keeps them from having to organize this stuff will make your process so much smoother and it will save you a lot of money, which at the end of the day is extremely important because most families who have child with uh, special needs have a lot of expenses already related to the child's care. So you want to do everything that you can to keep the cost of this whole process down. And all of the tips that I have talked about today, whether it's choosing the right process, committing to a child-centered divorce, you know, picking a team that knows this terrain really well, all of this, organizing the records, all of this is designed not only to keep you in control, but to save you time and money, to give you the shortest, most efficient, most effective process that is tailored to meet your unique needs of your family. That's what it's all about. It's being in control and keeping control of the cost and the time. And those are the best ways to do it. Yeah. I mean, invaluable tips, really. You know, sort of a, a roadmap of how to start this process or enter into the process for those families. I know we're this episode's launching in January. We know we are facing, you know, divorce season, divorce month, divorce day, all of those things. And if if you are a family, um, who is facing divorce, finds divorce in your future, and you have a child with special needs, these are really the things that you can do in this moment to take what seems unmanageable and start making it 
as manageable as possible. And and Josh, I know you wanted to share a couple of resources for parents um, before we we round up this episode. So what would your top resources be if you're talking to my listeners? First of all, uh, in terms of finding collaborative professionals, I would always refer people to the International Academy of Collaborative Professionals. You can Google them. Uh, maybe we can provide a link. Um, I will in the show and notes. You can then find who the collaboratively trained professionals are in your area all over the United States. Um, I would also recommend checking out the Academy of Special Needs Planners. These are, again, another national um, organization of uh, special needs planners who are who are trained um, in financial planning and estate planning for families who have kids with special needs. I'd like to recommend the National Care Advisors, um, a really wonderful network of uh, professionals who can help you develop a care plan for your child all the way through the life of the child. It's a very interesting uh, organization that's run by nurses and again on a national level, National Care Advisors. Finally, I'd like to recommend um, the Council of Parent Attorneys and Advocates, COPAA or COPA, COPA COPA.org. If you're looking for a special education attorney or a special education advocate to help you navigate your child's special educational needs, they have a wonderful directory of trained special education advocates and attorneys, COPA.org, another great resource. And of course, me, Um, I welcome you to reach out to me. I'm happy to to connect you with, uh, I'm in Pennsylvania, but I could certainly help connect you to folks in your area if you need them. Um, and I think my information is going to be available through something on this podcast. Yeah, it will be available in the show notes, but perhaps you um, could give the website or the email sure. so that those who are listening would know how to reach out to you, Josh. Yeah, you can, you can email me at josh, that's J-O-S-H, at jjrlawfirm.com. Josh at jjrlawfirm.com, all one word. And I'd be happy to uh, connect you to resources and see how I can help you. Yeah, well, and and I do want to say just, I've known Josh now for a few years. He is a member of our Mostyn Guthrie family and truly one of just the most generous and lovely people that, that you could ever meet. So I do know that Josh, when he says he would be happy to re- be a referral source for you, um, help you find a professional, he means it. But I also want you all to know that, you know, this is an area where a mediator does not need to be specifically trained in the law, perhaps of your state. A mediator who's going to help you mediate the issues around the needs of your child can be anywhere. So Josh might well be the mediator who can help you best address the needs of your child with disabilities as well. So I do urge you to reach out to him. And to the professionals who are listening, do not miss the opportunity to learn more from Josh in his special training that he has created just for Austin Guthrie. It's called Navigating Divorce with Parents of Children with Disabilities. It's going to be held for the first time on February 9th and 10th of this year. And you can find out more either through the show notes or just go to mostinguthrie.com. I personally am taking it. Can't wait. This is just another example of how Josh, I mean, he's creating his own competition folks. He's like training people to do what he does and to be in his area. And that just shows how much he cares um, and really wants to help families. So Josh, let me just say thank you because this these two episodes are truly going to help and support so many people who are listening. I know there are people out there right now who are listening to this, who are saying, 
thank goodness I listened to these episodes. So thank you. Well, thank you, Susan. Thank you for recognizing the importance of this topic and for giving it um, the airtime. I hope nothing more than that people feel empowered by this and that people get help who need it. So thank you. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.